0: It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone! Thank you so much for tuning into Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Wow, it's 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 a special day today for me. I get to have in studio with me Carrie Summers, and we've got just uh, we got so much to talk about. We could just go through his biography. And fill up the entire show, and then we we wouldn't even have to ask any questions. But we this is a, a great opportunity to have a uh, He just flew in from Ghana. Welcome, Carrie.
1: Thank you. Yes, uh, <laughs> if I, I'm a little horse and I'm and I'm. Uh, uh, it's time to go to bed right now. <laughs> it really <laughs> <Ghana>. <laughs> is. It's not that you you might not even know what city you're in. The
0: guy, I mean, exactly. absolutely amazing stuff. So Carrie Summers is. Former president and co-founder of Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C. carries also the founder and current CEO of the Nehemiah Group, founded in 1998, and they consults have consultant services for for for-profit organizations, primarily in the tur- tourism industry and not-for-profit organizations. And um, he was president and CEO of the Hershen Family Entertainment Corporation. Is yeah, that right? That's correct. Now I, they own they're a big dogs in the entertainment. They theme are.
1: park world. Yes, they own 22 different theme parks and oh. themed attractions, including Dollywood and Silver Dollar City, wow. Stone Mountain Park, and the and, uh, Aquarium in Boston, the one in Cincinnati. Oh, my goodness. They own the ha- Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it's a, they're a big company. Oh, that—that that, I mean,
0: that alone would be a great story of a of, <laughs> a, of, of a believer in Christ living in that end and working in the industry. But he was also uh, an executive with Abercrombie and Fitch, right. and Bass Pro, right. um, and that's so from some of the tasks that he's done, but some of the projects that he's been involved in are really fascinating. He. He was the the Nazareth Village. What is the Nazareth Village?
1: The Nazareth Village uh, was created in uh, really in 1995. Uh, the idea was people would come to Nazareth, Israel, mm-hmm. and people would say, where, where did Jesus live? Where's the workshop? Uh, you know." And there was nothing there. Uh, a, a doctor in Nazareth named nakli Bashara, he's a cardiologist, had this vision of what he called a visitor center. At the same time, uh, Pat Boone, the entertainer, had a similar vision. They had never met. Huh. And I remember Pat calling me and said, Carrie, you know, I've just got this idea that you need to be able to theme park in Israel. And I said, Pat, you have got to be crazy. Theme park in Israel. Theme <laughs> park in Israel. And uh, it's just a, a very long story short. They got together, They and I went over and looked at the idea. And it was there were several very dedicated people who were trying to pull this off. So what ha- ended up was in Nazareth, Israel, on historical land, the only farmland left in Nazareth that had never been built on, and they found the, the remains of two watchtowers. They found the quarry where first-century stones were quarried for the homes. Uh, they found a uh, the only wine press ever found in really? Nazareth is on this property. And so the idea is we recreated a first-century village full-scale with houses wow. and synagogue and animals and the whole thing, and so we take people back in time to uh, Jesus of the first century mm. and allow them to see why he taught the way he taught. And uh, it can be an all-day experience. It can be a one-hour experience. Uh, we even have a restaurant there of a first-century foods. And why did, why did Jesus— Really? You know, why did the Bible list things like, you know, uh, hyssop? Yeah. Well, it's a very famous herb. But if you look in the depths of what that was and where it was used, it's an amazing uh, thread that runs through that one herb um, dealing with the the exodus of the people from Egypt— to the death and resurrection really? of Jesus Christ, and in between. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff that we love doing there. Wow!
0: So you're this isn't just uh, this isn't your wasn't your plan to make a buck and put up a theme park? This there's a lot of
1: th- oh yeah, this is a very very non for profit. Yes,
0: very uh, non for profit. <laughs> I understand that as a non profit guy, yeah, I know the, the very yeah, part exactly. But that's ex- that's really uh, exciting. And it sounds like I mean you have a, a passion for studying and teaching God's word, right? Uh, You're an international speaker on biblical leadership principles from Nehemiah, which is the namesake of your organization— and obviously, a vast knowledge of Israel. Uh, just, just so, pl- such a pleasure to have you in studio. Oh, by the way, Kerry is mar- married for forty-eight years. Is that oh, correct? It's Fifty now. Fifty. Oh, yeah, my! Yeah. My information is so dated. I'm telling it's you, it's been a long time to get on this show. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I'm. I have a pretty huge wait list. I'm kind of a big deal. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, has two children and four grandchildren who are extremely. I'm sure he's very. He's very proud of them. Yeah. So thank you again. So what, what are you excited about right now?
1: Well, the, the, um, for the last, let's say, at least 10 years, uh, and even prior to that, uh, the, the vision of starting the Nehemiah Group came from Bill Bright, who was right. the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Right. And Bill knew uh, when I was CEO of the corporation, uh, Hershen Family Entertainment Corporation, uh, he knew uh, for a lot of reasons uh, that I had the ability to retire if I so choose and uh, if I chose to do that. And um, I prayed about doing that. And he said I should start a company that would develop, and he called them theme parks. I, I, That's really not what he meant. That was his only way he could explain it. That would attract people that would never go into a church. Mm. And it really intrigued me. So Jackie and I, my wife, and I prayed about it. And we just felt like that was spot on. And so I did retire. And we started the Nehemiah Group. Okay. We, had, we had a lot of help, Uh, you know, the owners of the corporation. So our city corporation at the time, the Hershen family were big supporters, and there there was just a lot of people thought this might be, this was novel, nobody had ever done this. Um, And we did, and we launched it. And um, with that came a lot of really interesting projects. And the last one for the last 10 years was the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., Which was a, a concept that uh, really two guys in Dallas, Texas had, and, and it really wasn't the the Green family of Hobby Lobby who, obviously, was one of the big funders right. of, the, of the, it. Right. But it was it came from these two guys, and they got to know. They, they, one of them knew me, and that's how I got to know the Greens. And so I developed the concept for for it, um, and then brought in all the right people. And uh, developed the what the thing looked like and how it was to be presented. It's a very theme parkish The, the museum of the Bible in DC. Yes, yeah. and it was the first time that this had ever been done. And of course, the museum world was, uh, you know, it's a rather snobbish uh, sure. world, and they thought this would never work. Uh, this, you're crazy. That guy's crazy. Yeah. Well, as it turned out, it's now become as as the Washington Post said, it set a new standard for. Uh, museums in the future that's fantastic and so with that we it was a, a great success and that brought in some people to visit one day mm-hmm. and they were from ghana uh okay. west africa and shortly after that the president came from ghana and they asked and of course i had no time but they asked if i ever did have time yes could i help them build something similar in ghana oh my goodness and so the president I,
0: personally asked you to build yeah, a, something like that in God. Yes. Okay.
1: And so we, I, you know, again, it's one of those things. We just prayed about it, and you know, God has an interesting way of speaking to you. And um, I, it's always one way streets. Well, every project we have right now, which are seven, were one way. We made no calls. We made no no emails. No solicitation. Nothing. Right. God just brought them our way. And uh, this was one, and so now we have started the, in conjunction with the national the National Cathedral of Ghana, yes, which is being designed by Sir David Adjaye, who did the African American Museum in Washington. Wow, and I'm working with him, and then we created the uh, expanded that onto that building the the um, Bible Museum of Africa, and the Bi- and the Biblical Gardens of Africa. And so we're doing that. We're developing the concepts, uh, reviewing constructional drawings, and that's the reason I just landed from Ghana. There was an extension of my stay dealing with the acceleration of this project. They're really moving hard and fast now, and the bulldozers are out there, and the ground is being done, and construction, uh, real construction starts in November, Mm -hmm. and uh, it opens in November of 23, and it will be... You take the cathedral and the Bible Museum. It's seven hundred and fifty thousand square feet. Oh my goodness! Yeah. This is a massive project. It's the biggest in Africa, and it was wow. it sets on fourteen acres. Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah, so, so it's a big deal.
0: I would get most listeners, most Americans, have a bad like a, a generally a p- p- not so positive view of anything in Africa. It's right. like they need help. Oh, there's some sweet people. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty animals, but it's poor. It's yeah, yeah. desolate.
1: Yeah, it's a real shocker. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, Westerners uh, by far have the uh, biggest tendency to put people in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much globally. Uh, mm-hmm. People are frankly much more, uh, they, they spend more time understanding. Uh, Americans in particular spend little time. Yeah. They, they don't know geography. We quit teaching geography in colleges right. years ago. High school, gone. Nobody knows where Ghana is. Right. They don't even know it's in Africa. Right. I've had people argue with me because one of the themes we're doing in this museum is the African role in the Bible and through the Bible and Mm -hmm. the diaspora. And I've had people well knowledge people argue with me that Egypt is not in Africa. Well, I said, really? where do, where do you Where do you think it is?" <laughs> and there's just a lack of knowledge. Yeah. But with that said, uh, Ghana has bec- Ghana has not had the tribal issues. Yes. Uh, it was a British colonization up to fifty three. Yeah. And then they've had their independence, especially in 57. Yes. And they've just not had this battleground Mm. there. Uh, It's becoming the banking capital of Africa. Banking capital
0: of Africa. Okay. Yeah.
1: And uh, high integrity within the Minister of Finance, who's Mm. uh, heavily educated Wharton Business School and uh, Yale here in the States. And um, they live – there is very little separation – Uh, between Christianity and the way the government operates. Mm. They're very tolerant. There's a Muslim population. There's others. Um, There's really have not been really much conflict. But the government unabashedly states we are a Christian country, and we operate this country under Christian principles, Mm. and that's the way it's going to be. And um, uh, they're not belligerent about it. Uh, as a result of this, I think God has really put his hand upon this country, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as he has a lot of Africa. Africa yeah. is now the largest population base of Christians, and it will be in the future. Uh, you know, God has a very interesting way of moving his center of influence yes. around. Yeah. And as we're looking at 2033 is the right. two thousandth year celebration of the of the resurrection of Jesus— um I'm no prophet. I yeah. have no crystal ball, but Africa will be the center of that. That's and you fan- see it coming. That's fantastic. We need to know, be, know that because,
0: I mean, God loves Africa. God has placed his children all through there, and they're very influential. But oftentimes we don't give a voice to hear from African theologians, African right. thinkers, African Christians. Right.
1: Yeah, I was I before I came uh, back to the states, uh we're recording this on a Monday, I I landed Sunday. Yeah. Uh, in Phoenix and uh I spent uh part of a Saturday with a 92-year-old theologian who's really considered maybe the grandfather of Bible translation in Africa. Okay. And he just stepped down as a professor at one of the seminaries, (laughs) Uh, not because he's 92, but because he wanted to do other things. Right, right. And uh, and he's leading our academic group. (laughs) Yeah, it's unbelievable. This guy is brilliant. And uh, humility, Mm. amazing, and just uh, the whole African uh, theologians, uh, they have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. and it's not been told well. And that's one reason we've taken this on, is the African perspective of both the Bible and the diaspora, what's happened with all these people who left. Uh, You know, the John Newton story was just two hours away from Accra. Uh, What did all that mean now? I mean, what Mm -hmm. is there? And there's a a story that deals with with Africans, and we'll say African-Americans, African-Europeans, That is just not told, and when it is being told, it's being horribly diluted and twisted mm. for agendas. Right. And I'm uh, personally, I'm tired of it. Right. And uh, so we're we're mounting the the best theologians and historians available to tell the the Bible story of Africans' role, but also what happened then. And it's it's a straight arrow story. There's no twisting and turning. Uh, people can either accept it or not, but I can assure them. That what's going to come out of that museum is going to be dead on accurate.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Well, this—if
0: you're just tuning in, this is Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. we have in studio uh, Kerry Summers, and he's been sharing about uh, his work with the National Cathedral in Ghana. And Kerry, you know, one of the things that I've been—I'm passionate about—is uniting the church to serve the most vulnerable. Right. And uh, as you, as you as you know, and you've but what I the. Th- the, the the theology and the theory of it, I'm right in line with. But we don't have a lot of examples right. of where – but you've been able to see that happen in some key areas. Yeah. Would you mind just telling us how yeah. about that?
1: It, uh, the, the origin, um, it's called collaborative impact. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a term that was coined by Stanford University in 2011. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a fan of Stanford. Uh, my son went to Stanford. Okay. Uh, When your child goes to Stanford, you feel like Stanford owes you forever. (laughs) And so I followed them only because of the the quality of the the educators that are there. And when they started this, it was the investigation of what happens if there is a way that you could gather people together, work on a common uh, problem – and one of the best illustration of this is an organization called Illumination. Illumination. Yes, it was a it was a somewhat of a a brain child of Mart Green. Okay. Uh, who's uh, part of the Hobby Lobby organization. Okay. Uh his father David started Hobby Lobby and Mart okay. Mart and his brother Steve are still heavily of course heavily involved in mm-hmm. the, in that sect, in the business. But Mart um had they had so many people knocking on the door for funding, of course, and they're, you know, globally known as maybe one of the most generous families uh, out there. Yes, on a year-to-year basis, if not the most in the in the faith Christian faith world, that uh, he decided there had to be a better way on translations. Um, he's always been fascinated with it. He had an experience in Guatemala that changed Bible his, translations, yes, yes, changed his life, and he just felt like, how can we accelerate that everybody would have part of God's word. And, um, and he, as he said, look, there, in, in one week we might get six requests from six different organizations, all for the same translation, same country, same everything, mm-hmm. and nobody was really working together. And so they started Illumination, and, and basically Illumination is an, a bubble organization who pulls uh, uh, the ten largest Bible translating organizations. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are thousands out there. Thousands.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: because every country has their own little sure. translating deal. Sure, right. And But these, the ten, I think represent 80, 85% of all translations okay. globally that are done. And they form this bubble organization— that they would all work together, mm. and they would sort of pool their databases and their res- their donors and so forth. Right. And as a result of that, they have now moved the projected time period that everybody would at least have some portion of the Bible, what was projected forever and ever is 2083. 2083. 20, yeah, okay. 2088 down to 2033. 20, oh, So they reduced it by 50 years. 50 years. And they're, and they're doing it. Oh, my goodness. And and it's because of this cooperative effort. Well, that became – the principles they used uh, came from Stanford, Mm -hmm. and that is a common agenda, uh, communication, uh, the idea that there was a measurable objective out there. And then there was a supporting backbone, as it's called, organization, which wasn't necessarily a Bible translator themselves, but were willing to, to facilitate the bubble. Yes. And that was one of the keys. That At the end of all this, it all worked based on three principles. The members of that organization, which happens to be these ten in this right. particular case, they had the, – it was people of extremely high integrity. High integrity. Number two, incredible humility. Mm-hmm. Number three, they understood it was not their money. It was God's money. So they had an incredible passion for generosity. Generosity. And those three together equals unity. Wow, and that's the reason they're successful
0: so incredible uh high levels of i want to repeat that it's Integr- integrity integrity humility, humility, and a spirit of generosity spirit of generosity equals unity equals unity. Yeah. I think that equation is so key i know I, I know many of my my listeners are get frustrated by how divided we are right. and how uh combative or even like we're all just grabbing for the dollars and trying to get things right. done for ourselves
1: right. Well, the, the issue there, back into it backwards, because you, you've, you've really hit on a, probably the number one issue nobody ever wants to talk about, right. is scarcity mentality. You yeah. know, if I it's my money, I, I'm not about to give you my database right. or use it. My goodness, that'll take money out of my pocket. And and the issue is it's not your money to begin mm-hmm. with. It's God's money. Right. And once we get past that, including the church— there is there is a reality that it's god's deal it's his economy it's his deal it's not, it's yeah. not our deal yeah and so the spirit of generosity doesn't mean that you give millions of dollars it means that you understand it is not your your deal your right. money it's god's deal and and become great stewards of it and the great stewardship of it is working collaborative on this on this on the solution and uh, another organization who is modeling identically this is called the Global Water Center. Global Water Center. Brand new, out of Charleston, formed okay. by sort of the granddaddy of clean water standards, George right. George Green, has nothing to do with the Green family. Right. And uh, for 20 years, he's been working on this. And this bubble has now been formed called the Global Water Center. They don't treat water. They don't drill water. They're purely a bubble to organize the industry. And if you look at it, there's 18,000 – NGOs 18,000 groups. globally who are involved in clean water. Oh my goodness. And 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 now you say wow, that means there's some great stuff happening. Yeah. 10 years ago, there were 2.1 billion people who did not have clean water okay. 10 years ago. Today, there's 2.2 billion. Oh. So you cannot say, and truly, I, you can argue to your blue in the face, the stats really show the fact, yeah, yeah community may have improved because right. you drilled some water wells there, but globally, it's not happening. Right. And the only way it's going to happen is this unified approach to say, let's divide up the world and let's have water drillers, water treatment people, all these various aspects, community development. And work together as a unit and then have a bubble called the backbone that supports it with resources and helps trains people in the country. What they found with the Bible translation is a great example. The Bible translation started with primarily heavy American organizations that were the funders. And it was for the people. I'll come in and I'll translate for you. And then it moved from for the people to with the people. With the people, right. And now this, the solution is by the people. Interesting. So provide them the resources, the training, then, and all that they need to become the translators. The same way is going to happen with water. You can, you can, we're doing a lot right now. Most organizations come in and, do, and drill for the people. Right, you need uh, this, right. Yeah, and then some have moved to with the people. Okay. The answer is to raise up thousands of what's called implementers yes. trained in their market, right. train them, resource them, watch them, monitor them, monitoring the, the results, yeah. and then and it's by the people. Yes. That's when any of these organizations, right to life, uh, poverty, food, right. it's when it moves from for to with wow. and then it moves by. That's when the blessing happens and that's when these solutions start taking place on a global level. It's when we we put our own just all about
0: our own agency and self-survival and we think about the larger picture. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And there's a handful of people out there, praise God, that have said, "You know what? I'm in this for solution. And if it means putting my agency out there with everybody else so be it. I'm sure. going to do it." Right. And uh there's a movement going on and I think it's the spirit of God himself that's moving. It's always been in tiny little forms, right. historical – but there are some out there, both within donors, significant donors, corporations, right. individuals, agencies, NGOs, yeah. who have finally come to the conclusion, you know what, that is the answer. Yeah. And I'm going to put my time, my effort, my organization, my money, whatever resources I have, right. I'm going to start supporting those people who have collaborative come together, who have a high level of integrity, humility, and sense of generosity. That's who I'm going to support in the future. And that's what will change. That, that is literally what is going to impact this world. I think so. You're that you're hitting
0: it right on the head, and i have seen it in small pockets where churches have united together maybe during the pandemic or maybe there was some uh, past a uh, group of churches I worked with up in the right. in the bay area and they united after the fires and and people noticed and and God yep. bless that
1: and it opened up doors that we never would have thought of exactly right and th- there are some incredible churches i mean my kid there are some just stories that would uh, people will, will, may never hear about that um uh, have humbled themselves to the point mm-hmm. where god they cannot it 's just like David Green in his book, you cannot outgive god if yes. you're giving if you're doing god 's work, you cannot outgive him right. There, are church, right there are churches today who will tell you the same story yeah. we cannot outgive God, yes, but it's those story, those churches who have finally said, you know what this is about uh in the, in their cases, it might be sovereign poverty, it might be a pure evangelism. Uh, right. type of approach. But they finally have come to the conclusion that that's what God has called us to do and we're going to just put ourselves aside the box aside and we're going to pour all of our resources into this. That's what's happening. And it's it's very difficult, Jason, to uh for so many organizations, church yeah. included. I'm sure. not I'm not picking on the church at all. Right. But they're to come to that final to that conclusion. And those who are uh, God has just Poured out unbelievable blessings upon. So, thank you so much for coming in. We've we're down to our last minute,
0: and we've just been really blessed by you coming in, sharing out of your busy life, you know, to share about this. I think it's really been encouragement to our audience, many of whom maybe look at the church and see how divided we are, or maybe are just disappointed. Right. And things are happening. God is at work. Right. He's moving, and you've been able to see it around the world. Right. And I think that's that's an incredible blessing. And, and we I, want to see more of that here in Arizona. And
1: thank you for allowing me. I know that you have become a uh, pro advocate mm-hmm. of this type of approach for Arizona within many of the issues that face this state, as they okay. face many other states. And uh, God bless you for that.
0: Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you coming in. This has been Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn.
1: Thank you for listening
0: today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.